All right, if you have your Bibles, I want you to go to Acts, the fifth chapter, and uh, we're going to read there in just a moment, but let's just pray together. Father, we thank you for your goodness and love. Thank you for the opportunity that you give us to be able to serve you. Help us to remember, God, what a privilege that is to be able to do it freely. We give you the honor and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to preach to you for a little while this morning on the topic, all in. Everybody say all in. All in. I thought about other topics that I could have called this uh, committed to the cause, point of committal, but all in seemed to fit it well. I don't know how many of you uh, in your past life ever played poker, but you understood the phrase all in. When you were saying, I'm all in, what you were saying was this, is that I believe the hand I hold is better than any hand sitting around this table. So when it comes to God, are you all in? Do you believe the hand you hold is better than any hand that's been dealt around this table. See, I, I'm all in. There are some times that if you're bluffing, you're, people can read your face and they're going to know it. So just going through the motions of going, you, you know, going to church doesn't make you a Christian. If it does, then when you walk in a garage, you're a car. It's, it's the condition of your heart. It's about your response to God that makes the difference. So when you're all in, it means that you've given up what you want for what he wants. Everybody say all in. I mean, let's be honest. You know, if we're going to be honest, there are probably some things that you used to do in your past life that you enjoyed that you don't do now, right? Because everybody knows that, you know, sin is pleasurable for a season, <laughs> for a season. And, that, you know, the old saying is, you know, if you're going to, uh, well, I can't even remember what the old saying is. I'll just make up one. <laughs> but if you're, if, if, if you're going to, if, the, everybody knows that there is a payday someday, right? And so if we serve him with all we have, we're going to understand I'm not saved by my works. I'm saved by grace. But the Bible says I will be rewarded according to my work. And there's a difference between my salvation and my reward. I hope you understand that. And it said that every man's work is going to be tried by fire to see what kind of work it is, whether it's gold and silver, whether it's hay and stubble. I'd hate to get through my life and to find out my life didn't count for anything. It doesn't mean that I'm not saved. It just means that I'd hate to get through my life and found out that it really didn't matter much. I preached a message one time about the thief on the cross. And I talked about, think about it, you know. He, he lived his whole life, and he was saved at the end, but his life didn't count for anything while he was on earth. 
Are you with me? See, and that shows you how dependent we are on God. Because the truth is, it's all about him. What we do will not save us. I don't care how good you are. I don't care if you give all your money away. And if you, if you do, remember me. But I, 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 don't, care. I don't care what you, you do. It's not going to save you. What he did is what saved us. And so we have to make a decision on whether or not we're going to be all in for Christ. And what that means is I'm giving up my will and my natural desires for his desires. And let me say this to you. If you go all in, your desires will change. You, you, you won't have the same desires that you used to have. Everybody say all in. So if you look in Acts, the fifth chapter, and we'll start with the 17th verse when we start reading, but let me give you a, a peek at what's going on. The disciples, Jesus has been crucified, he's risen, and he's gone back to heaven, and now the disciples are on a mission. Everybody say mission. And so they're meeting in the temple on a regular basis, and they're preaching the gospel. And people from all over that city and, and all over other places are coming in to that temple, and they're experiencing the power and the presence of God. They're being, how many of you have heard of what's going on in Asbury? Do, do you know what makes that unique? is because people are experiencing the power and the presence of God in a way they've never experienced it before. And all of a sudden, look, do you know what started that revival? What they say started that revival, it was, it was an unassuming message. But after that message was preached, a young, from my understanding, as a young man got up and he started confessing his faults and what his sin was in front of everybody and asking God to forgive him. And I thought, boy, you talk about kicking off a revival when you start separating yourself from sin and saying, man, I've been wrong. I need to do this and I need to. That will start revival. Hey, just for the record, is there anybody in here that's never sinned? Thank you. What are you saying? The Bible said that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So that shows me two things. It shows me the grace of God, and it shows me that I can't trust myself. I have to trust him. I have to keep my focus on him. So these guys are preaching, and they're declaring. And now that happened at that college, you know, and they're, they're having prayer and praise, you know, all day Long, you know, and, 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 and people are coming from all over the world because people are hungry for a move of God. Now, I remember when the Brownsville thing hit, and I was, you know, we were evangelizing, and so I got to see some of the footage from Brownsville. And please don't take this wrong, because I, I don't mean this condescending at all. But I was watching some of the footage from Brownsville, and I was thinking, well, we see that every week. What are you saying? See, the deal is when all of a sudden people start experiencing the power and the presence of God that have never experienced it before, then it becomes real to them. That ignites a fire that starts catching around. So here's my question. How real do you want it to be for you? 
because it, it doesn't matter how real it is for me because my experience with God, you're not going to be able to ride on. You're going to have to have an experience of God for yourself that's so real it makes you say, I'm all in. I'm all in. So these guys have been preaching all this, and the religious folk get a little jealous. The Pharisees and the Sadducees get upset over it. And look at verse 17. The high priest and his officials, who were Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But an angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail, and brought them out. And he told them, go to the temple and give the people this message of life. They arrest them, throw them in jail. How many of you have ever been arrested for preaching the gospel? You know, a lot of us could raise our hand and say, yeah, I've been arrested, but I'm talking about for <laughs> preaching the gospel. And that was, that was their crime for, for telling about Jesus. And because they're telling about Jesus, these, and really, here's the truth. The religious people wouldn't have been upset if all they'd been doing was talking about Jesus. <laughs> but when all of a sudden the power of God started showing up and people started getting healed and life started changing, that's what got their attention. We live in a world today that is bent against the book. Everybody say the book. I'm not talking about my book. I'm talking about his book. What are you saying? This is what I'm talking about. See, it's not my preaching that upsets folks. It's not, it, it, it's what's in here. Because what's in here will shine a light on what's in here. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? And when all of a sudden that light is shined on what's in here, we respond one or two ways. We confess it, we get forgiveness, or we try and hide it and we attack this. And so we're in a, a, a situation in the world where folks have gone on the attack. What they don't realize is what they're attacking is the very thing that will transform their lives forever, that will change them forever. So they throw them in prison. Did you ever feel like you were locked up before? Let me, let me ask you. Well, no, I'm not going to ask you that. You say, well, I can't relate to that because I've never been locked up. My, my answer is yes, you have. Because at some point in time in all of our lives, we've experienced what it's like to have our heart locked up. Amen. To all of a sudden have depression take us captive. Or fear hold us in prison. Or our doubts begin to keep us in chains. But I've discovered something. I've discovered that when you go all in, he sets you free. When all of a sudden, you, you, they, they didn't kick and complain. They didn't get in that jail and start saying, I can't believe I'm in here for preaching. Did you see what's going on? God? No, they, they, they just, they're preaching the word. And when they wind up locked up, God sends an angel 
to set them free. Can I tell you that there is no jail, there is no prison, there is no bondage that can hold a believer locked up. Paul talked, Paul's preaching before Agrippa and he's looking at him and, and, and man, he, I mean, he is on a roll. He's feeling the anointing and Agrippa looked at him and he said, man, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only you, but everybody that hears my voice would be just like I am except for these chains. Think about that. Because really, if we're going to be honest about it, what we usually do is wish chains on people. God, you know they're not acting right. Why don't you do something to them? But when you really are all in, you want to see everybody set free. Amen? Somebody say it. I want to be free. So you can imagine what happens. The next day, you know, the Pharisees send down there. They feel pretty, you know, satisfied with themselves. We showed them who's boss, locked them up. And they, so they send to get them. Well, when they send to get them, they go past the guard that's been stationed there all night, and they go into the prison, and it's empty. That presents a problem. <laughs> They, they, where, where are these guys at? And the guard is saying, man, I've been here all night long. I, have, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, they did not come past me. Not that he could see anyway. And so they start, they're, they're having a fit. They don't know what's going on. They're thinking, where did they go? And all of a sudden, the guy comes crashing into their meeting, and they said, you're not going to believe what's going on. What? You remember those guys you had locked up? Yeah, yeah, you know where they're at? Yeah, I can tell you where they're at. They're back in the temple preaching uh, about Jesus again. Uh, do you understand when you're all in, you will not be intimidated. You will not back off. You will not give in. But you'll stand up and declare who God is uh, no matter what's going on, no matter what's happening. So they get, man, they're thinking, I can't believe these folks went back there and started preaching. Did you ever threaten somebody? And have them. I had, I had years ago, I, I'm not going to mention names, but years ago I had a guy, well, never mind. The, so, all right. So anyway, they, they, they will not allow a threat to intimidate them. I had a guy, let me go to a different story that's better, okay. I had a guy I, I, I was in college with, and he was an ex-Marine, and this guy was built like a tank. He was as wide as he was tall, nearly. And he could bench press and watch steel bend. He was bench pressing nearly, I think it was like 365 or 375 pounds. He's built like a tank. You know, I'm loving. <laughs> And I, and, I'm, I'm, and I was excited about God, so I'm telling everybody about Jesus, you know, and, and we're in school, and I'm, I'm, I start talking to him about Jesus. He gets right up in my face, and he looked at me, and he said, I don't want to hear another word about your God. And I looked at him and smiled, and I said, well, you're going to hear it whether you want to or not. And I just started sharing it with him. And he, I, I, I didn't see that guy for years, and honestly, I didn't know if he was going to beat me to a pulp or not. He could have. I, I didn't know, 
But I knew one thing. I wasn't going to let somebody intimidate me and back me down when it came to talking about God. Years later, I'm talking about I'm married now, I got kids now, I had no clue. Years later, I'm preaching a revival. Guess who shows up in that revival? That little guy, his name was Rocky. That little guy showed up in that revival. He's not a little guy, by the way. Little guy showed up in that revival. He came up to me after service and he said, man, Rick, he said, I didn't know where you went. He said, I am so glad to see you again. He said, I got to tell you, he said, I could never get you out of my mind. He said, I was used to people being intimidated by me and I kept thinking about that was when I was thin I kept thinking about that little skinny guy that looked at me and wasn't afraid and wouldn't back down and kept telling me about his God you need to hear what I'm saying the devil's not afraid of your gifts and your talents he's afraid of your boldness he's afraid of the fact that you'll stand up and declare that God is God no matter where you're at and no matter what you're facing God is still God. So all of a sudden, they go and they arrest them, but they take them without force. (laughs) They thought that they were going to intimidate these disciples. And the truth was is that God intimidated those Pharisees. As a matter of fact, he intimidated a whole army. They sent an army down there to take him, but they did it without force because they were afraid that the people would stone them. The soldiers were afraid that the people would turn on them, not the disciples, but on the soldiers. And so they take them and bring them back. And listen to what they say to him. In chapter 5, verse 28, listen to what he says. The Pharisees are speaking and said, We gave you strict orders never again to teach in this man's name. Instead, you filled all of Jerusalem with your teaching about him, and you want to make us responsible for his death. But Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than any human authority. We must obey God rather than man. Now, I want you to hear me. That made them so mad they were going to kill him. Why? Because they just realized they can't be intimidated. They can't be bullied. They can't be pushed around. I'm not talking about getting an attitude. I'm talking about having something in your heart that you believe in so passionately and so strongly that you refuse to keep it quiet. And so... All of a sudden, they're ready to kill him. And, and there's a guy there by the name of Gamaliel. And he, he asked the disciples to be taken out of the room. And then he has a talk with the religious leaders. And he said, brothers, he said, we need to be careful here. He said, you, you need to be careful what you're doing. Because sometimes you can get so frustrated that you're not even paying attention to what God is doing. Isn't it amazing that these folks, these religious leaders, aren't recognizing the the miracles are making them mad. The healing is making them mad. Don't you know that that's still that way? (laughs) That when you get healed, it makes the devil mad. (laughs) 
when all of a sudden you get a miracle, it makes the devil mad. So you need to hold on to it. Everybody say, hold on to it. So all of a sudden they, they go in and they say, and, and he tells me, he said, look, he said, guys, he said, we got to be careful here. He said, you remember Theotis? He said, he, he get, gathered a group of people together and, you know, got them following him. And he said, but, you know, his 200 followers were scattered and he was killed. And there was that other guy that took 400 out into the desert. And when he took him out to the desert, you know, they, they, they all ended up scattered and it came to nothing. He said, now listen, guys. He said, is th if this is about men, then this will fall apart. But if this is indeed God, you're not going to be able to stop it. And if you're not careful, you're going to find yourself trying to fight against God himself. And your hands are too short to box with God. <laughs> How many of you know that he's able? So we've got to be, but these guys were all in. And because they were all in, that's what made the difference in their life. Somebody say it with me, all in. God wants to work through us and for us, but he needs us to be all in to do it. I want to say it again. God wants to work through us and for us, but he needs us to be all in to do it. Now, I want to say something here. This is just a footnote. God doesn't play games. There's nobody like God, and God knows whether you're all in or not. I said God knows whether you're all in or not. Now, there's a difference between me being all in and, you know, getting upset if you cut me off in traffic and chasing you down and waving at you. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> I'm talking about, I, I, you, you get what I'm saying? That our lives, we have to live our lives in a way that we're being transparent with God. Everybody say transparent. Do you ever... <laughs> I'll go ahead and share it. It's a little embarrassing, but I hated transparent pulpits. There's no place to hide. You get your wife signaling you while you're preaching, and it's a transparent pulpit. There ain't no going behind it to try and find out if you got a problem. I remember getting a signal from my wife in a revival, and I'm going, oh, no, and, I, and, the, and the, I, I step behind the pulpit, and the pulpit's transparent, and I'm going, oh, God, no. And I'm thinking, and I literally said, okay, everybody, just raise your hands and praise God. Now, here's the problem is the choir's behind me. So every, I said, everybody raise your hands, just praise God. Everybody threw their hands up, and I just made one turnaround motion like that. And thought, oh, man. I mean, it's, listen, God wants you to be transparent. Everybody say transparent. Because you can't hide from God, right? No matter what you're doing, you may hide it from somebody else, but you can't hide it from God, and God knows. So we've got to be transparent. God is saying, look, I, I want to work through you, and I want to work for you. But to do that, I need all of you. You remember that song, all of me? Why not? Well, I guess you know. 
moving right along. So the question is, how do we go all in? I mean, we know how we do that in poker, right? It's We lay it all on the table. We push it all out there. There it is. You go all in by trusting the hand you hold is better than any other hand at that table. You go all in with God by trusting the hand that holds you is better than any other hand you've been offered. There's a young boy by the name, well, I'm not going to tell you his name. There's a young boy that decides to go all in. He's sent down and he's, he's watching this battlefield and, and man, the soldiers have been hanging out there for a while and everybody has been, you know, they, they've gotten afraid. Have you ever been afraid before? I mean, honestly, have you ever been afraid? Have you ever tasted fear? Now, I'm telling you, it comes up. I had a pit bull come after me one time and I tasted fear because I thought the pit bull was going to taste me. And, and man, it, it just, and your heart seizes up. And, and this army had allowed a man to throw them in such fear that, he, that one man immobilized an entire army. Now, given this wasn't an ordinary man, he was nine foot nine inches tall. The head of his spirit weighed 15 pounds, and the armor he carried weighed 150 pounds, and he walked in it like it was nothing. And he had shut down an entire army, but this young boy shows up. He's somewhere between 13, 17 years old, and he hits that battlefield, and he's not even there to fight. He just came to check on his brothers. And when he shows up, he sees this guy come marching out, and he starts railing against the armies of God. And when he does, something happened. You need to understand something. When you're all in... It does something to your heart. When you're all in, it makes you respond to God differently than anybody else around you. When you get all in, and all of a sudden, when David heard those words, David said, who does that man think he is defying the armies of the living God? It gives you a boldness, and it'll give you a backbone instead of a wishbone. And David stands up and is ready to fight. His brother comes running over and said, what are you doing here? I know you haughtiness of your heart. You just showed up to see the battlefield. There's always somebody trying to talk you out of what God called you to do. If I had listened to what people were saying about me, I wouldn't be here today. So you've got to tune, don't misunderstand what I'm saying, but you have to learn how to tune people's voice. Let me say it this way. You have to learn how not to let people's voices be louder in your ear than the voice of God. You have to tune people out so you can tune God in. And sometimes it's your own family. See, when I was 18 and God had apprehended me, and then God spoke to me, and I was getting ready to move out. My mother took me, and I didn't know that I was breaking my mom's heart. But I knew what God had spoke to me, and my mother looked at me, and she said, Son, 
I just don't know how you're going to make it. I was moving away. I mean, I was moving into another state. And I looked at her and I said this. I said, Mom, I know two things. I know that God spoke to me. And if God spoke to me, God is going to take care of me. All in. You don't have to know how he's going to do it. You just need to know he's going to do it. All in. If you're not careful, you allow. David did not allow his brother to cause him to lose focus on his mission. You can't allow others to cause you to lose focus on what God has called you to. So David turned away from his brother and he turned toward another one and said, what will be done for the man that kills that giant? Those words got him in the presence of a king. The king looked at, and when David walked into the presence of the king, the king didn't get impressed. You know, we're always waiting for, oh man, God, you know, just open a door for me. And then God opens the door and nobody's impressed. You know, you're thinking, you're thinking, as I think about the missionary, you know, that had been serving all those years and he came back home. And when he came back home, there's a big band out there, you know, getting ready, you know, and they're playing and all that. And he's thinking, oh, these people came out to meet me. And when he walked off of the plane, he found out they weren't there for him. They were there for a rock group that had shown up. And, and, and when the rock group went off and then they, the, all the people were gone and he stood on that tarmac by himself and he felt like nobody even cares, man. Nobody even, you know, nobody even cares that I've come home. And all of a sudden he heard the voice of the Lord and he said, you're not home yet, son. When, when you get home, there'll be angels waiting for you there. When you get home, there'll be a party going on. But until you get there, don't you lose your focus and don't you lose your vision. Keep moving forward. So David has a king looking at him. And David says, don't, don't let any man's heart be afraid, king. I'll go fight the giant. How do you know what's going through that king's mind? Really? You're going to go fight the giant. You snot-nosed boy. <laughs> you're, you're going to go. Hey, I had folks say that about me, man. They thought, I, they, they said, you, you know, he just, when, see, here's the thing. It's when you go all in, people won't understand you anymore. When I went all in, people said, he's just a smart aleck kid. Why? Because all I could do was talk about God. I was, I was excited about God. I got up in the middle of a service one day and started testifying, and I couldn't figure out why nobody else was getting excited. Because the building was shaking. And I thought, why is nobody getting excited in here? I'm, I'm looking around while I'm testifying. I'm thinking, man, don't they realize there's an earthquake going on? And I didn't realize it until later that the earthquake was going on inside of me. It, well, nobody else was feeling it. It was me that was feeling it. When you go all in, you're going to feel things nobody else feels. When you go all in, it's going to change you. That king's looking, thinking, man, you're, he said, you've got to be kidding. You're, you are a kid, and he's been a warrior since he's been a kid. You can't go and fight him. And David said, let me tell you something about my God. He said, because this isn't about me 
versus the giant. This is about my God taking on that giant. And in my God's eyes, that giant doesn't stand a chance. He said, King, I used to take care of sheep. He said, and I guarded those sheep, and I've had a lion and a bear show up to take them away from me. He said, but when I stood up, he said, God delivered that lion and that bear into my hand. And the same, now hear this. David didn't say I was so skillful and I was so powerful that I took out the lion and the bear. No, David said the lion, God delivered the lion and the bear into my hand. And the same God that delivered the lion and the bear into my hand is going to deliver this giant into my hand. I'm all in. So Saul felt like, well, you know, I'm not going to lose anything but a kid. And so he said, go for it. He goes out there, and the giants of your life are going to try and intimidate you. They're not going to cheer you on for be showing up in the battlefield. They're going to look at you and treat you like Goliath treated David. Who do you think you are? sending some kid out here with a stick in his hand to try and take me on? Come on out here, boy. When I get done with you, I'm going to feed your carcass to the fowls of the air and the beasts of the field. Goliath hadn't counted on one thing. He hadn't counted on the fact that David was all in, that David had laid everything he had on the table and pushed it toward God and said, God, every part of me belongs to you. All that I am belongs to you. And he looked at that giant and he said, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a shield, but I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. And today he's going to deliver you into my hand. When you get all in, you'll quit looking at all the reasons you can't. And you'll start seeing why you can. Everybody say, God. We need to be all in. In the 12th chapter of Jeremiah, Jeremiah is complaining to God about wicked people prospering and being happy. Have you ever been there? God, I can't believe you're blessing those folks. They don't even go to church. They only show up on Easter. Really, God, you're blessing them? I heard their conversation the other day, and they used some words I would never dream of using. I can't believe you're blessing them. You're not the first one that ever acted that way. Jeremiah was doing it. Listen to how God answered Jeremiah. So, Jeremiah, this is the fifth verse. If you're worn out in this foot race with men, what makes you think you can race against horses? And if you can't keep your wits during times of calm, what's going to happen when troubles break loose like the Jordan and a flood? What's God saying? God's saying, you better buckle up and make up your mind whether or not you're all in. 
because if something if if you get bent out of shape because somebody forgot to shake your hand or somebody said something about you or somebody treated you the wrong way and you get bent out of shape and you're ready to throw your hands up and quit what are you going to do when it really gets bad what are you going to do when things really when push comes to shove see this is what i believe god is telling us you've got to make up your mind that you're going to serve me no matter what's happening to you you've got to make up your mind oh i'm going to serve god if god does this no you're not because god is not bartering with you when it comes to salvation he already paid the price you want to find out how much he cared take a look at calvary's cross he's not bartering with you he's already paid it he loved you so much that he stretched out his arms and died and now he says whosoever will if you want to get all in come to me all you that labor and are heavy laden and i'll give you rest but you're going to have to give me all of you Somebody say it, all of you. Does it matter where we've been? Some folks are saying, well, I can't live for God because I've done this or I've done that. I had a guy, one time I was talking to him, the Lord had spoke to me to go to this guy's house, and he starts telling me why God can't save him. I've talked to him for about 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes, and he keeps saying why God can't save him, and I finally went all in. And I looked at him and I said, would you do me a favor? And he said, what's that? I said, would you quit telling God what he can and what he can't do? I said, telling God he can't save you? What kind of God do you think he is? Do you understand that God spoke to me to drive over here? He was five miles away working in a field on a tractor. I knocked on his door and his mom said, he's not here, he's working. And then his mom looked up, and here he comes walking down the road. And his mom goes, well, that's strange. And I thought, no, it's not. <laughs> and he walked up, and he said, I can't explain it. He said, I was five miles away. And he said, the Lord spoke to me and told me to come home. He said, I left that tractor in the field and walked there. And he, I got there just about two minutes before he showed up. And you're going to tell me that God can't save you? Son, God just set you up to be saved. When we quit limiting God and we begin to understand how big he is and what he can do, unique things begin to happen in our lives. doesn't matter where you've been. Just ask Paul. If you go to Acts, the 26th chapter, starting with the ninth verse, this is Paul talking about himself. I used to believe that I ought to do everything I could to oppose the very name of Jesus the Nazarene. Indeed, I did just that in Jerusalem. Authorized by the leading priest, I caused many believers there to be sent to prison. And I cast my vote against them when they were condemned to death. Many times I had them punished in the synagogues to get them to curse Jesus. I was so violently opposed to them that I even chased them down in foreign cities. Paul saying, this is who I was. There's another place in Scripture where Paul starts to measure his pedigree. 
And he made a statement. He said, if anybody thinks that they have a reason to trust in the flesh, I've got more of one. I'm the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin. I was circumcised on the eighth day, the very day that the law specified. He said, concerning zeal, I persecuted the church. He said, touching the law. He said, I was a Pharisee. He, touching, he said, touching the law. He said, I was blameless. What was he saying? He's saying, there's not a thing that you could point your finger at in my life. He said, but I counted all laws that I might know him. Because what I just read to you was the other side of Paul's life. This side that Paul talks about is the side that's standing up and acting like, look, I'm a man of God. But there's a flip side of Paul's life that people didn't necessarily know. And that side of his life, he's having people beaten. He's having them put to death and thrown in prison. But then all of a sudden, something happened to Paul, and Paul went all in. And the next time you see Paul, Paul's in a jail. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Paul had people committed to jail and beaten. And when Paul went all in, Paul's been beaten and put in jail. <laughs> he, and, and when he got thrown in jail, he doesn't start saying, I can't believe you did this, God. I can't, I, I can't believe this happened to you. No, matter of fact, he, look, man, they bring him in so whipped and beaten, I'm not sure he's even conscious. Jailers, the jailer's given a, a command to keep this man sure. He, he locked his feet in chains. And then all of a sudden, about midnight, Paul starts stirring. He gets up, wiping the blood from his mouth and his eyes that's dried now. He struggles to get to his feet. I thought about Julia today getting baptized and how she struggled to get down in that baptistry. And, and, and it, you don't know what it took for her because her, her, her knee was popped out. And, and, but she, I thought about that message I'd preached, I'm not going to let my pain speak louder than my praise. And she made her way down in that baptistry and she was going to figure it out. She said, I can't go back. She said, can I, can I dunk myself? And I said, any way you want to do, it's going to work. And it's and, and all in. And all of a sudden, Paul gets up, and he, he's wiping his mouth, and he's forgot about the pain that's reeking through his body and racking it, and he stands up, and he starts singing praise to God. And then now, oh, you know, when you go all in, it's infective, man. It'll, call, it'll spread out. Silas gets up and starts singing praises with Paul. When's the last time you got a good beating because you were preaching? I got slapped in the face one time, but that's far from a beating. He got up, and he started praising God. And God saw he's all in. And God got excited about it. And all of a sudden, as they're praising God, I don't know exactly how God did this, but he's God. He can do it any way he wants to. And the next thing you know, the earth starts moving. 
And you think, oh, that just happened back then. I was in Trinidad speaking to a Hindu. And as I was speaking to this Hindu, he, and I was talking, he served all kinds of gods. And he said, I serve, I, 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 I pray to Jesus. His name was Prim. And I looked at him, I said, Prim, how many other gods do you pray to? And I said, God's not interested being one of many. He wants to be the only one. He wants to be the only one. And while I was talking to him, and I looked at him, I said, how would you like it if your wife was with you today, another man tomorrow, and another man the next day? I didn't know that's exactly what was going on in his life. And man, he looked at me, and when I started telling him God doesn't, or Jesus doesn't want to be one of many, he's the only one, man, he took up, took off out that door and left, and all of a sudden the other people are standing there, and they said, did you feel that? And I said, well, yeah, I felt it. I, I was talking about what I, you know, the anointing. And they said, no, no, the earth was shaking. And I looked at them and I smiled. I said, I, I didn't feel the earth shake. They said, no, we're not kidding you. The earth was shaking. The next day it came out in the newspaper, there had been an earthquake on the island. And I thought, man, only God could set that up. Paul starts praising God and God starts shaking the earth. The prison bars fly open. His chains fall off. When you go all in, you're going to find stuff falling off of you that you couldn't get free of before. Everybody say it with me, all in. Paul trusted God. And that same trust that Paul found, David knew. And David trusted God throughout his life. David gets to a place where he's fleeing from Saul because he fears for his life. He's in a place called Gath in a city called Ziklag. The king of Gath, Achish, wants him to go to battle with him, and so David goes to join him. And when he gets there, the Philistines see David, and they said, no, 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 send him home. He's not going to fight in this battle because if he decides to turn his allegiance back to Israel, what Achish didn't know is his, his, his allegiance had never left Israel. <laughs> he had always been all in with God. When they get home, David has to leave, and they get home, they find out that their city is burned with fire. Every man's wife and children have been taken captive. And they're gone. All that is left is an ash heap of memories. And those 600 men pick up rocks and look at David and say, we ought to just kill you. You're the reason this has happened. And David's focus doesn't go to the men that are threatening him. David's focus is not on the men that are breathing down his neck. His focus goes back to the God that called him. And David stops for a moment, and in my mind's eye, I see him sitting there with all these men around him. And David with his hands in his, or his face in his hands. God, 
I still trust you. You called me and anointed me to be a king before I ever faced a giant. You called me before anyone ever knew me as a warrior. And David encouraged himself and the Lord his God. And he got up and he looked over at those men and they started dropping rocks. And he said, God, shall we go after them? And God said, go get them, David. And when David went after them, the Bible said that David recovered all. You hear me? As long as you're wishy-washy with your faith, as long as you got one foot in and one foot out, you're never going to see the victory that you could have as it is when you give it all to him. When you go all in for God, it changes everything. When David went all in, David recovered all. Would you stand with me? Your life should be an adventure. If you wake up in the morning and you're depressed, you need to get undepressed. Now, I'm not making light of depression because that's real, but I'm telling you there's a God that can break it that quick, just that quick. I knew folks that wrestled with depression for years and all of a sudden in one moment in a service, it left them. There was an elderly gentleman that my father-in-law knew. I'd never met him, but when I met him, he was the most fearful man, meek and timid. And one day he walked into Brother Russell's house and he said, praise the Lord, Brother Russell, glory to God. I did what you did. I jumped on. I looked at that guy, and when he left, Brother Russell said, now that's the Johnny Presson we all knew before. This guy turned into a fireball, man. I was with him. I'm in, I'm in Huck's pumping gas, and he walks up to me, and he goes, praise the Lord, brother. God's good, isn't he? Glory to God. And every, everybody around that pump started backing away from him and he leaned over and he looked at me and goes they don't understand us do they I said no brother they're just afraid of fire next to gas that's all when he went all in it changed everything everything for him this truck driver was 33 years old his name, Larry Walters. At 33, he got sick and tired of sitting in a chair doing nothing. Week after week, he sat in this chair. He thought, I'm tired of this. So he went and got some weather balloons, 42 of them tied him to that Sears and Roebuck lawn chair, filled him with helium, and went on a ride. 
He carried a pellet gun. I'm telling you the truth, this happened. It was in 1982. You can Google it. Carried a pellet gun with him. So after all, he didn't know how high he'd get. <laughs> when he got up to 16,000 feet, he decided he needed to lower it a little bit. He floated all the way across, man, to a whole nother city. Started shooting the balloons and the emergency personnel showed up. They're interviewing him, asking him, why did you do it? Why did you do it? He said, I just got tired of sitting there. He said, I had to do something. How about you? You know what? He quit, become, he quit being a truck driver and he became a motivational speaker. <laughs> he let people know that sometimes you need to do more than just sit. You need a change. Would you do it with me? You ready? I'm all in. I'm all in. When I was 18 years old, I was playing games with God. I was going to cuckoos on Saturday and church on Sunday. Wave your hand if you remember cuckoos. You know what I'm talking about. You have to be back to the disco duck thing if you... And I remember, I could take you to the place I was. I was in Buncombe, Illinois. I could take you to the house I was in. When I dropped down on my knees off of that couch I was sitting on, and I said, God, I can't do this anymore. People say, fake it until you make it. I don't work with God. And I remember dropping down on my knees and saying, God, I can't do this. I've either got to serve you with everything I have or I can't serve you at all. And that night, I went all in. It changed my life forever. My question here today is how many of you are ready to go all in? There's something happening. We've been experiencing it here for several months. There is a move of the Spirit that's taking place. You know what's unique is I've been in places before and the move of the Spirit is taking place and you could feel it and there'd be other folks just going. Because see, you can't experience it until you open your heart for it. All so if you're in this place today and you say, Pastor, I'm ready to go all in. Now hear me. I don't care where you're at, what, what your life has been or, or what it's been in the past. It, that, and, that, and God's not concerned about that. God's about here right now. Remember he went to that woman at the well and he's talking to her and everybody else is going, I can't believe you're talking to her. And, 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 and he's saying, look, I... I'm giving you a chance to go all in right now. He said, go get your husband. He said, well, I'm not married. And he said, well, you're telling the truth. He said, the guy you're living with, you're not married to. And he said, you've been married five times. And she just, oh. but that day she went all in. 
And she went running back to town saying, you need to come and meet a man that told me everything I ever did. And can I add this? And loved me anyway. <laughs> loved me anyway. Wave your hand if you're ready to go all in. So if you're ready to go all in, this is what I want you to do. I want you to come to the front, and I, we're going to pray together. Just any time now. All in. I would have never survived in a church if living for God had been about sitting on a pew. I couldn't have done it. See, there had to be a reality to God for me. And when I found that reality, it changed everything. I was just a young guy. The minister came to me and he, we were talking together and he's trying to talk me out of the Holy Spirit. Well, that's not for us. That's not for us. He was of another brand, flavor, texture, whatever. And I remember looking at him and I smiled at him real big and I said, sir, there's probably something you ought to know. <laughs> he said, what's that? I said, I'm not talking to you about something I've heard about. I'm talking to you about something I've experienced. And I looked at him and I said, when I met you, he was the one that invited me in. And I said, when I met you, I really believed that you wanted everything that God had for you. And he looked at me and he said, well, I do. He said, but before I could have what you're talking about, a lot of things would have to change. And I smiled at him and I said, God can do anything. God can do, hear me. You may be standing here today and saying, before I could get in that place with God you're talking about, a lot of things would have to change. Let him. God doesn't change, but he can change us. <laughs> he can change us. And so this is what I want to do today. I know there's a, a lot of you here, but if you would just, would you reach out and just get somebody by the hand? I feel something in this place today. I feel hungry hearts. And there's one thing I learned when I was evangelizing, that if the church is hungry, God is going to move. See, people used to think, oh, you, you, you brought revival. No, I just experienced it. <laughs> When there are hungry hearts, God shows up in the midst. I don't, can I speak to you for just, what's your name? Christina. As you, what was it again? Christy. Christy. As you just stretch your hands to heaven with me. I don't know who you are, but God does. And God knows this, that in your heart for some time now, you've been hungry and you're ready for a change. 
that change is coming today. Would you stretch your hands to heaven with me right now, Jeremy? I want you to say it with me. All of me. ahead, you're going to be feeling, I'm going to describe it as a tug, God pulling you and moving you in a direction. When you feel that, you greet that with, with a hallelujah and begin to communicate to him. And what you're going to find is you're going to all of a sudden discover that you don't feel so lost anymore. You're going, to, you're going to begin to feel like you're getting direction and that God is bringing you that direction. Are you ready for that? Just stretch those hands and begin to thank Him for it right now. God, I thank you for it. I thank you for it right now. I want you to get real personal with God. A lot of times I'll have you hold hands, but in this case, I just want, I, I really don't want you to hold hands. I want you, I, I want you to visualize that you're the only person here with God right now. And I want you to communicate as only you can how desperate you are for God how hungry you are for God. Not your husband, not your wife, not your children, but you. How hungry you are for God. Because <laughs> there's something that I discovered was the closer I got to God, the bigger impact my life had on people around me. The closer I got to God, I know what it's like, man, to be preaching revival and feel like I'm 100 miles away from God. I went through a time in my life, man, for three months, it felt like that nothing was happening. And I kept thinking, God, what's going on? And God said, I'm trying to show you something. I want you to understand that I operate by your faith, that it's not about whether or not you can feel me or whether or not you can sense me. It's about whether or not you've made up your mind, I'm going to trust you. I'm all in. Are you ready? Stretch those hands up with me right now and say it with me. I'm all in. Come on, begin to love him right now. I'm all in. Sing it a minute. All I'm going to do is go by and touch you. I'm just going to, I'm, I'm just going to spend a moment, but I want you to come in agreement that when I touch you, you're going all in. 
when I touch you, I want you to say, I'm all in. 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 Come on, say it. I'm all in. 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 Say it. I'm all in. Everything that I have, God, I'm giving to you. I'm all in. In Jesus' name, I'm all in. hasn't forgotten those things that were spoken. He remembers. So you hold your hands up right now. I'm all in. And you're going to see God do what you can't do. In Jesus. My heart is yours. My heart is yours. Take it all. Take it all. your hand if you believe that Steve's all in. Are you all in, Steve? Let's just hold those hands up because you're going to see God's all in for you. Father, I thank you, God, for in Jesus' name. My heart is yours. Take it all. Take it all. I know you I know you are I just want you to shout it out I'm all in I'm all in David went all in and David recovered all stretch those hands to heaven father I my heart is yours
like you're pulled in so many different directions. It's <laughs> but God's centered on you. It's time for joy to visit your house. Remember, it doesn't matter about everything else that's around. Paul said, let me tell you about a part of my life that you never really knew about. Didn't matter to God. God just wanted Paul. As you stretch your hands to heaven right now, you're giving him your greatest asset. Something has been happening at a real deep level. Something that is new for you. And it's growing. It's not just touching you, but it's touching your family. Say it with me. I'm all in. been prayed for yet grab somebody by the hand would you do it right now 
Grab somebody by the hand. Dela com uma isela daqui. Come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. Ete, não toto com uma isela daqui. Ete, não toto com uma isela. E que This is what I'm going to speak to you. What I hear. I'm not done yet. Stretch your hands to heaven with me right now. My heart is yours. Look at him, look. Here's where we're at. God, it's already started, folks. It's already started. And God is saying, I need some people that know how to lock in. I got to have some folks that will go, I'm all in. Here I am. Here, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, this isn't about my agenda. This isn't about what I want. This is about God. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. I'm all in. If you can make that prayer and that come from your heart, you need to get ready. And you also need to... Uh, Everybody do this. What's that about? You, you need to be flexible. You need to be flexible. Sometimes we get so locked in on what we think God is going to do, and we're not, we're not flexible enough. One thing I learned doing mission work, you better be flexible. Because if you're not flexible, you're going to miss out on a miracle. I went in on a mission field and had in my mind what I was going to do. The next thing I knew, I thought, well, I just need to be flexible here, God, whatever you want to do. The next thing I know, he's opened up the government office and we're preaching and teaching the, the Bible in schools in Russia. God's plan is better than ours. Everybody say, I'm all in. Now, get somebody by the hand that's all in. You know what you just did? Please forgive me for this poker vernacular, but you just sweetened the pot because you said, I'm all in, and you just took hands with someone that was all in, and you just put an amount, you just, you just increased the pot by an enormous amount because if one could put a 1,000 to flight, and to 10,000, what did you just do here? What did you just do here? I want, I want you to stop thinking about what you can do, and I want you to start thinking about what God can do through you if you'll just let him. Daryl, come here just a second. There are so many things that you want to do that you want, that, that you're hungry for almost to the point that sometimes it brings a little frustration because you feel like it's not happening. Am I telling you the truth? Now, I haven't talked to you, and I haven't talked to anybody else except God. God's saying, I want you to relax, and I want you to trust me. Because if you can do that, I'm going to open some things for you 
that you haven't thought about yet, that you haven't seen yet. So as you stretch your hands as high as you can get up, it's okay to cry. Say it with me. Okay, God. I'm all in. Whatever, whatever it is. I know I'm the only thing between you and your fried chicken right now. So raise your hands to heaven. I want to bless you. And look, thank you so much for your heartfelt hunger and desire for God. Father, I pray today that, Lord, you'll smile upon each one, that you'll meet with every person in here individually. God, meet with them in their prayer time. Meet with them in a way that God is emphatically and undeniably you. Speak to them. Speak in their spirit. Guide them. Let them know it's going to be okay. And let them know that the best is still yet to come. I give you praise for it. In Jesus' name. God bless you. We love you. Like the end, oh Lord, you are more.